to the book of John, chapter 14. We'll look at a very, very, very familiar passage just in the beginning. And we'll just read a couple of verses and then we'll look at the topic for this evening. The Lord Jesus was speaking to his disciples before he was about to die and he was seeking to comfort them in chapter 14. And he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We will end our reading there this evening. Let's ask God for His help. Our Father in heaven, we come before You, Lord, pleading with Thee to make bare Your mighty arm. Lord, to make Your presence felt here tonight. Lord, we don't know the needs of everybody who's come here. We don't know where they are with You. But Father, we know that the Holy Spirit of God goes up and down the aisles and He knows. He knows the condition of every soul. He knows the hidden things behind closed doors. He knows the mind. He knows the heart. Father, You know what they need. So Lord, we just pray You take Your Word and that You'd apply it to hearts according to your perfect wisdom and with your perfect power. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. Well, the topic for this evening, so far as what was put on the flyers, is a question. Why Jesus only? Why Jesus only? Now, we live in a day in which the question about Religion is extremely pertinent because we live in a society that is multicultural, multi-ethnic. It's amazing to think that where our church is tonight, where we're sitting, is within walking distance from a Hindu meeting place and a Buddhist temple. And it wasn't that way hundred years ago. In fact, not very far from here, you could find a mosque. Because we live in a globalized society, and we are very influenced by other religious faiths, and we live in a nation full of different religious faiths. In fact, religion is growing. I heard one statistic that Muslims and Christians are being converted faster than people are being born. It's not the case that religion is simply dying out. Religion is growing, and 
and countries, nations have had to deal with the issue. What are we going to do when we have a nation that has so many different religious faiths in that nation? How do we coexist? How do we live in peace? And there have been really two different ways. Our nation, other nations have sought to deal with that problem. The first is this. Well, we tell people that they can have the religion at home. Don't bring your religion into the public square. Don't let your religion affect your work, affect your political views, affect the way that you act outside of your home. If you can keep your religion locked up in your house, then we can all coexist. Well, that doesn't work. Because anybody who believes in their religion to any degree understands that religion affects all of life. There's been another way that the nations have sought to deal with this issue. And it's been this. It's what's called religious pluralism. Religious pluralism. It is basically this. All religions are equally valid. All religions are equally valid. All religions ultimately lead to the same place. And nobody should be so narrow, so bigoted, so proud to say that their religion is the truth and that others are false. Every religion is equally valid. That's what the culture says. Every religion is true. What is true for the Hindu is true for the Hindu. What is true for the Christian is true for the Christian. What is true for the Muslim is true for the Muslim. It's much like looking at a big mountain. At the top of the mountain is God. And there are many different paths to God. So the Hindus have a path, the Buddhists have a path, the Muslims have a path, and the Christians have a path. All religions are equally valid. Now, if you will go and speak to somebody on the street today, you will find that that is by and large the view of people today. There are many ways to God. Who are you to say that your religion is better than another? Well, I am representing to you this evening the Christian position. The position of the Scriptures, which is this. That Jesus is the only way to heaven. That Jesus is the only way. And so that's why we are thinking about the question, why only Jesus? Well, why only Jesus? Why do you Christians say only Jesus? I mean, you can go around and say only Jesus, but why do you say only Jesus? I have three reasons I want to bring to you tonight. The first is that religious pluralism fails. The second is that the scriptures teach us that Jesus is the only way. And the third is that Jesus is the only Savior. So the first, religious pluralism fails. And I want you to think with me for a moment. In the first place, to say that we accept everything is actually a narrow view. Because if you say, I accept everything and everything's true, you know what you're actually saying? Anybody who says that everything is not true is wrong. So let's say you have four choices. Either all religions are true, no religions are true, some religions are true, or one religion is true. No matter which one you pick, you're excluding the other three. So it is just a facade to say, 
we just accept everybody. We're open-armed. Everybody's accepted. No, they're not. The people that are exclusive are not accepted. You see, everybody has an exclusive position. Everybody has a dogmatic position. And to say that all religions are equally valid is a religious position. And it is not right to therefore say all other views are narrow and bigoted and closed-minded. Secondly, this view that religious religions are all equally valid is absurd. And what I mean by absurd is it doesn't make sense. It's illogical. It just simply goes against logic. Truth is by definition exclusive. Truth by definition is exclusive. Could you imagine a courtroom scene where somebody has been accused of robbing a bank and there are three witnesses and the one witness says, I saw him driving a semi-truck. The next witness, no, no, no. I saw him riding a skateboard. The third witness, no, I saw him riding a horse. And then the judge says, well, I guess they're all true. They're true completely, all of them. He drove a semi-truck, he drove a horse, and he drove a skateboard. Because for you, it's true that he drove a skateboard. For you, it's true that, or he rode a skateboard. For you, it's true he drove a semi-truck. For you, it's true he rode a horse. That's absurd. That's absurd. It can't be true. It goes against the law of non-contradiction. How do you know something is? You can't have a square circle. Something cannot be and not be at the same time. All religions cannot be equally true because they're contradictory. Let's take, for example, the issue of Jesus. Islam says Jesus is a prophet. But if you believe, it says in the Quran, that if you believe in a trinity and that Jesus is the Son of God, He is God in the flesh, that you will not go to paradise. The Hindus say that Jesus is a good teacher, but He's certainly not a prophet. The Jews, Jesus was a false teacher. He's certainly not the Son of God. He's not even a good prophet. He was a false teacher. But then Christians say that Jesus is the Son of God. How can they all be true? How can it be so that Jesus is both false teacher, prophet, Son of God, and just a good teacher at the same time? It's absurd. How can it be that the Hindu says, God is not a personal God. He's just this, this ultimate reality. And then the Christians and the Jews and the Muslims say, There is a personal God. How can they both be true? It's absurd. It's impossible. There must be truth. What is the truth? This evening is the question. What is the truth? They cannot all be true. It's not possible. What is the truth? I read to you from John 14. And so I'm going to turn now to the second reason why we believe Jesus only. And that is... Because of what the scriptures say. First of all, what Jesus said. In John 14 and verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no man can come to the Father but by me. Jesus makes very clear that he is exclusively the way. That definite article, the, 
makes Him the only. If we would have said a way, a truth, a life, maybe we could have some discussion. But Jesus says, I am the way. There is no other way to heaven but through me, Jesus says. He says, I am the truth. I am ultimate truth. All questions stop with Jesus. He is the truth. There's no other true way. There's no other true way to heaven. There's no other true way to God. Jesus is the truth. Then He says, I am the life. You won't find life anywhere but in me. You will not find eternal life anywhere but in me. Eternal life is in Jesus Christ and Him alone. I'm the life. And no man, as if we didn't get it, He has to make it even more plain to us. No man can come to the Father except He come by Jesus. Jesus says very clearly that He is the only way. There's another passage in John chapter 10, and I want to read to you the Scriptures because Christians believe that the Bible is God's Word, and we don't base our beliefs on opinion or what I say or somebody else says, but on what the Bible says. And in John chapter 10, Jesus says in verse 9, I am the door. In verse 7, I am the door of the sheep. Again, the door. There's, there's no other door. I'm the door. I am the way to heaven. And then he goes on to make it even more clear in verse 8. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. So Jesus says, I am the only door, and anybody who has ever come and said that they are another way is nothing more than a thief and a robber. I am the only way. John chapter 8 and verse 24 Jesus makes another exclusive statement. He says this, I said therefore unto you that you, sh- you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. My friends, I don't say this with joy this evening. I'm, I'm not rejoicing that anybody ever would die in their sins. Ever. But I have to tell you that according to Jesus, anybody who does not have a right view of Jesus, who does not believe, I am He, who? I am God in the flesh. I am the Son of God. I am the Christ, the Messiah. They will die in their sins. And as sad as that is, my friend, that means that the Muslim who believes that he is merely a prophet will die in his sins. And that's why we have missionaries to take the gospel. And these are not my words. These are the words of Jesus, not me. The same Jesus who is love. The same Jesus who gave His life, who we love to say is is love. It's all about love. Jesus said, if you don't believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Jesus made it very clear that He was the only and exclusive way to God. But not only the Lord Jesus, but also Peter. In Acts chapter 4, and verse 12, the Apostle Peter was preaching. And as he preached in verse 12, he made a very important statement. He said this, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 
Hear the words of Peter in the early church. Neither is there salvation in any other. Salvation is not found in anyone or anything else but Jesus. Salvation is not found in any other prophet, any other guru, any other teacher, any other way, any other religious structure. It is only found in Jesus. That means salvation is not found in baptism. Neither is there salvation in any other. Salvation is not found in church attendance. Salvation is not found in reading the Bible. Salvation is not found in just simply trying to be a good person. Salvation is found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Salvation is not even found in you praying a prayer. Salvation is not found in you professing to know Him. Salvation is found in Jesus And when someone knows Jesus Christ, their life will be changed. Salvation is not in anyone, but in Jesus alone. It's not in Muhammad. It's not in Buddha. It's not in anyone, but Jesus. This is the faith of the early church and the preaching of Peter. There is no other name among heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But then I also want to take you to the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul also makes very clear that Jesus is the only way, that the gospel is the only message of salvation, and that there is no other way to God. In Galatians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul wrote in verse 8, Though we, or an angel from heaven, Paul says, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Paul says, listen, church of Galatia, if anybody preaches anything different from what I have preached to you, not only are they wrong, but the curse of God is attended to their message and to the deliverer of that message. This is not a statement of all religions lead to God. The Apostle Paul would not agree with the modern stance of the culture that says all religions are equally valid. The Apostle Paul, with great tenacity, he tells the Galatians, don't you dare give up the gospel. The gospel alone saves, and it's the gospel that I have given you. If anybody comes and preaches something else, even an angel. And it's interesting that in Islam, an angel actually gave some of the revelation to Muhammad. If anyone preach any other gospel to you, he is condemned. So we believe that Jesus is the only way because the Scriptures teach that. And as Christians, we believe the Bible to be the Word of God and we seek to draw all of our teaching from the Scriptures. We have nothing else we can do but to believe what the Word says when it says that Jesus is the only way. But finally, Jesus is the only Savior. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible talks about the birth of Jesus. Why did Jesus come to this earth? Why did Jesus come? Did Jesus come to help us live better lives? Did Jesus come to teach us a better way? Did Jesus come to just give us some new religious idea that we can talk about? Why did Jesus come? Why did He come? And by the way, He came. He came. 
He came. He was not created. He came. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 of John chapter 1 says, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. He was God. He is God. Why did He come? Why did God take upon Himself human flesh? Verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You want to know why Jesus came? For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to save. The word save means to rescue, to deliver. What did He come to save people from? I mean, why, why would He come to save us? I mean, we're okay, aren't we? Aren't we fine? I mean, we're doing all right. We're, we're living okay. We've got decent jobs. I mean, we're doing okay. We're good enough people. We try to do good things. I mean, aren't we going to go to heaven one day? Why did He come to save us? From what did He come to save us? What did He come to rescue us from? As if we're in this fearful condition, as if we're in this terrifying condition, as if we're in danger of something. Why did He come to save us? What did He come to save us from? Matthew 1, 21. He came to save His people from their sins. You see, you must understand why Jesus came and what He came to save from if you're going to understand the Christian position of why Jesus is the only Savior. He came to save people from their sins. Their sins. What is sin? Sin is any breaking of God's law. Sin is anything that's not like God. God's law is a reflection of Him. He's perfect. And you were created to love and know Him. That's your highest joy. You were created for that. You weren't created to live in sin. You weren't created to run around and live in sin. You're not satisfied. And you know you're not satisfied. You're created for Jesus. You're created for God. That's why you're created. Not for sin. Not for sin. And sin will destroy you. And Jesus came to save and rescue people from their sin. Sin. God gave Ten Commandments to Moses in Exodus chapter 20. Any breaking of those laws is sin. God did not give us that law so that if we could keep it, we could get right with Him. He gave us a law to show us that our hearts are wicked. You will never understand the Christian message unless you understand that the very beginning of the whole message of the gospel is this. I have nothing good to offer God. I am a broken sinner. And I'm humbled. The law. The law was given to show people that they're broken. To show them that they're not right. None of us have kept the law. Have you ever truly loved God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? Have you honored your mother and your father from a child? Think about all the times that you have You disrespected your mother. You disrespected your father. You've treated them unkindly. You've treated them in a way that is ungodly. Think about all the times you have broken that law. The Bible says 
Thou shalt not covet. You should not desire things that are not yours. You should not have this covetous appetite whereby you just want to be rich and you want to have money and you want to have things. That's what you're all about. I shall not commit adultery. Jesus said, if any man even looks at a woman to lust after her in his heart, he has committed adultery already. If any man pulls up something on a computer screen and looks and lusts after a woman in his heart, he has already committed adultery and he is in danger of the judgment of God. And the loving lips of Jesus was where those, that came from. Not a Jesus who wants to take away your joy. I just want to, have, I just want to enjoy myself. I just want to have fun. And Jesus is trying to take away your fun. Jesus is trying to keep you from sin. It's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy your life. And it's eventually going to send you to an eternity on the judgment of God. And it's not just a fiction. It's reality. Jesus spoke about it over and over and over and over and over again. He doesn't want anybody to be lost, but listen, one sin proves that your heart's rotten. Shalt not commit adultery. It's a sin against God. The Bible says you should not lie. I bear false witness. How many times have we lied to save our skin? lied to get something. Your heart's rotten. Your heart's wicked. Your heart's sinful. You're not a good person. That's the heart of the Christian gospel. You're broken. And you have to admit that. You have to agree with God. You can't go on painting it, it over and putting a mask on. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm fine. You're not good. You're not fine. You're not okay. You've broken God's law. You've shown yourself to have a wicked and a, and a broken and a rotten heart. And you need to be saved. You need to be rescued. Because you can't rescue yourself. You can't rescue yourself. You see, all other religions say this. Hey, if you do these things, you can somehow make God happy enough to where He'll accept you. For the Muslim, if you go to the Hajj, you go to the, you know, your pilgrimage, and you do all the things you're supposed to, God will somehow look at you and say, okay, you've done enough good things, I'm going to accept you. Or in other religions, if you do enough uh, good things and you subdue your flesh, you'll somehow escape your flesh into this, this ultimate reality. It's all about things that you do, but the gospel says God has come to this earth to do it for us. That's grace, and that is the fundamental distinction between Christianity and every other religion. It's grace. It's grace. God saves. He rescues. He doesn't need your, and He doesn't mean my help. He comes to people that are drowning in their sin, and He rescues. God comes to people who are broken, and He puts them together. He saves. He doesn't call people to, hey, you need to rescue yourself. You need to get yourself out of this mess. Jesus came to get you out of your mess. That's why He came. To save you from your sin. And how does Jesus save? 
Well, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he also gave Moses a sacrificial system. Because he knew nobody's going to keep that law. What is a sacrificial system? He told the people of Israel, I need you to take an animal, a lamb, and you're going to have to kill that animal. And you're going to have to offer that animal as a sacrifice, as a symbol that you should die because of what you've done. But that animal is going to die in your place. If people could keep the law and be saved, why did he give this sacrificial system? Why did he tell them to go sacrifice a lamb? Because they couldn't do it. And what did John the Baptist say when Jesus came? Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. All those lambs, all the bloodshed, all the blood from the years and years and years of the Israelites taking these animals and slitting their throats and seeing the blood laid on the altar and, and saying, God, let the animal die in my place. This is what sin deserves. Death. This is what sin deserves. You see, we need to see sin in its true light. You know why we can go on in sin and we can just, just kind of live in sin and it doesn't bother us? We don't understand how terrible sin is. If you want to see how bad sin is, you need to go to the cross. And you need to see the real lamb. The lamb that all those were a prophecy of. You see the real lamb. And you need to see his body bruised. And you need to see blood dripping from his head and hands and side and feet. You need to see him naked. The God of heaven stripped naked before men. You need to see him as he sp- people spit in his face. And he has a crown of thorns. And you look in the face of Jesus and say, My sin is not that bad. It's that bad. It's that bad. Man, if you profess to know Jesus and you just keep on living in sin, it's almost like going up to Jesus on the cross. And by the way, cross, in reality, historically, it wasn't way up. It was within, within eye, eye view. It was just right about here. It's like you just walked up to him and you just spit right in his face. Thanks for heaven. Thanks for dying for me. But I'm going to live my own way. If that's your heart, you can have very little hope that you truly know him. Because when you know him, you love him so much. You don't want to live in sin. Not because you want somehow by living that way to make God happy with you, but because you understand that He loved you and gave His Son for you. And you love Him. And in gratitude, you want to live a holy life. Play a game. Jesus only is the Savior. And when He died, why was He dying? I think we all know. He was made guilty, guilty for our sins. Just like the person would offer this lamb and slit the lamb's throat and say, all my sin is on this lamb. God the Father crushed His own Son that day, saying, all 
all the sins are on Jesus. The Bible says he became sin for us. I don't care what you've done. You've got to understand this if you're going to understand why only Jesus. This is the heart of it. You can think of the most terrible thing you've ever done, the most terrible thought you ever have, the most terrible thing that you've done with your, with your body, with your mouth, with your mind. I don't care what it is. Jesus suffered the punishment of sinners. He suffered the full wrath of a holy God. And if you would accept what he has done, that truth will be yours. Accepting a perfect Savior. Your sins placed on him. Your sins dropped to the depths of the sea, placed behind his back. It says, I will never remember them. If he punished his son, is he going to punish it again in you? If he punished his son, or the payment's been paid, it's over. Jesus also lived a perfect life, the life that we can't live, as our substitute. And he switches records with us. He takes our sinful record and gives us his perfect record. There is nothing for people to do but to accept Jesus. There is no other religion that offers you such a Savior. Name one. There's none. There's no religion that has any God who has died for the sins of His creation. There's none. There's no one. There's no religion that has anybody who came to save, to rescue Freely, by grace. You don't deserve it. You haven't done anything to deserve it. But God will graciously save. He sent His Son to do it. So why only Jesus? Jesus is the only Savior. There's no other Savior. And if you don't know Him, you will die in your sins. You will be lost. And I do not stand up here tonight bringing you a message just because I'm a preacher and that's what I do. I bring you a message because I believe with all of my soul. I believe in the reality of hell. Believe that Jesus really did die for sins and rose from the dead. That this is not a game. This is not a figment of imagination. This is a reality. If there's anyone here tonight who does not know Jesus Christ, Your soul is hanging in the balance. It's all been done for you. Just receive Him. I'll say a word also before I close just to anybody tonight who's come in and or maybe you attended this church. You go to church. You profess to be a Christian. Is it real to you? There's no point in playing a game. There's no point. Is it real to you? Is Jesus your Lord? Or do you profess Him with your mouth and deny Him with your life? 1 John chapter 2, verses, verse 5. He that says, I know Him, and keeps not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. Jesus is not your Lord. If He has not won your heart, 
you don't know Him? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Wherever you are, I implore you, beg you, seek the Lord. He is willing to save. He's not willing that any should perish. That all should come to repentance. He's willing and able to save and help you wherever you are, whatever you need. So trust that this will be a help to you. This is why Christians believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven.